This is the John Oakley Show podcast. All right, having the time of our lives. Here we are just before Christmas, and uh, there's a real spirit. It's like the Leafs last night. They had the time of their lives. Well, you know, i got to be honest with you. Uh, when they're firing on all eight cylinders, this looks like a team that will compete. Exactly. But then you notice uh, the D. They still have some issues there, obviously. Ernie, if you want to take me down the rabbit hole here, I'm willing to go. <laughs> but what's your boy Nylander doing since he got back? I mean, is he still having to get up to speed? Is it? I some... think he's still working, his, finding his legs all and right. working his way back into the lineup. It's like somebody... Compared it the other day to a golfer, it takes time to you know get touch around the greens after you haven't played for a while, and I mm. think that's really what's happening to to Nylander. He sat out; he didn't participate in training camp. He didn't play any exhibition games. The other players had already played twenty eight games. On top of all that, you just can't start out and fit well, into the swing. Well, of well that. the difference with golf is at least you can have gimmies for guys who just come out. You can't, <laughs> yeah. He doesn't get <laughs> no any gimmies. No many gimmies in this one. No. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, uh, if he doesn't improve his game, they're going to be playing golf uh, sooner than later. But, uh, you know, because you see some of the other teams, I mean, they're loaded up. I mean, I'm thinking Winnipeg. I'm thinking Nashville. Well, Tampa Bay is playing Tampa really Bay. Well, they, you know... Although that Tampa game was rather interesting because if the Leafs, I mean, and they bombarded uh, Vasilevsky with 48 shots. You know, if they, they score on the power play, it's a different game. Then they get scored late in the period, and uh, next thing you know, they're, they're down 4-1. to one. But the Leafs carried the play for the most part. They did. They outshot more than outshot them 2-1. to one. But yeah. as the Leafs have proved themselves, lots of games you can be outplayed and outshot, but you can still win the game if you capitalize on the other team's mistakes. And you can get away with that when you're playing teams that aren't quite at the upper echelon. But when you're playing teams like Tampa that are and you make those mistakes, they make you pay for them. All right. Man, uh, we can go in any direction on this show, can't we? Uh, did you want to bring up Dalton McGinty at all? In no, no. Context? Does he play hockey? <laughs> no, no. Although for years he was skating on very thin ice. I wanted those were to ask, Bob skates, I think. Yes, they were. Uh let me ask John, though, because I read this today in uh, a paper you used to edit. Uh, should we be concerned that the debt-to-income ratio in Toronto is 208%? That's uh, $2.08 owed for every dollar of disposable income. Debt is a big issue in Canada, and they're saying interest rates are just around the corner, possible recession and whatever. What does this foretell? Well, I, I think what it foretells is a recession that could uh, hurt a lot of people, and especially the real estate market in terms of prices. Uh, in Toronto and Vancouver has been mentioned as well. But if we just focus on Toronto, we've had, you know, heydays where, you know, house prices have gone through the roof. People have uh, racked up the debt in terms of buying their mortgages, uh, buying their houses and getting mortgages. The, the question comes is that when you have a recession and you, businesses start cutting back to survive and people lose their jobs, what happens in the housing market? I mean, it's the first thing you see where people can't meet their payments uh, you know, they'll maybe start bringing in borders and that type of th- stuff because there is a housing shortage to try and make those payments. Uh, but by and large, you see a lot of pain. And that kind of debt is, is it's high. It's very high. Is there any soft landing? Well, I mean, the soft landing is, is we're still in good times right now. We have the lowest unemployment rate we've had in 40 years. This is the time to be putting money away uh, for a rainy day or paying down that debt. I know I sound like Scrooge. It's Christmas time, but uh, right. You know, I'm saying buy the Pabst rather than like the 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 uh, champagne. You know. All right. Well, there's only one more uh, brewer in the province with a bucket of beer, Ernie. I mean, that's sort of flop. Wow. It, it, only one guy. I guess it was the initial rollout in the Bay of Quinty area, somewhere like that. Eh? 
I mean, okay. So that you, if you know, if Dalton McGinney had introduced that, you'd be all over him right now. All right. Uh, by the way, do you think that there's uh, too much debt that we're carrying Canadians and uh, Ontarians, Torontonians, two hundred and eight percent, Ernie? Oh yeah, I think there is. I don't. I think John's absolutely correct. And the problem is that we have almost a whole generation of younger people now that don't know what really a recession is. They don't know what the impact of that can be. They don't know what the impact of losing their job is or one of the two people in the household losing their job or what an impact uh, higher interest rates is going to have or that lower housing prices are going to have. So they just think that they live in this bubble, really, where the prices just keep on going up every year. How can I possibly lose? The value of my house is going up 10 to 20% every year. This is a no-brainer. We'll just buy bigger houses and take out bigger mortgages and everything will be dandy. But it's all dandy until the cash flow stops and then all of a sudden you have a problem. Well, all right. Uh, So we brace for that. As I said, 208%. That's the uh, debt-to-income ratio, which means for every dollar you you make and you have disposable, you owe $2.08. So uh, people are going to have to economize and go to, I guess, forgo the steak and it'll be hamburger on a good day. I was reading a story about steak. Coincidentally, I mean, I just, off the top of my head, remember this story now. Uh, An Israeli company has developed meat that they build in the lab, and so it's considered uh, slaughter-free meat. This idea, I know, Ernie, you're a big fan of heading to the best steakhouses in town on occasion. Would you be eating this meat? Would you still insist on it coming from a cow, or could you ever see yourself eating meat that was grown in a lab? (laughs) I don't. Come on, Ernie. Dalton McGinty. (laughs) He'd probably eat this for sure. He'd eat meat. (laughs) I'm just curious. I guess you'd be willing to try it. I mean, you know, there are are hamburger chains out there now that have total vegetarian burgers that they say you can't tell the difference. They're good. I, I eat them at home. They're great. There you go. You, you can't hardly tell the difference. You're living proof. Well, I I am. <laughs> I, I don't know if you call this living, but uh, no, uh, you know, so this is the point. I mean, if this is the brave new world we're about to inherit, you know, because uh, meat, you know, the reasons uh, people are for swearing meat, it has to do with environmentalism. And uh, as much as anything that, you know, the cows, the methane gas, and they also, uh, you know, big carbon footprint. John, can you see this as being... Cows are going to become extinct. I'd just say it just looks like another, uh, you know, kick in the pants to Albertans who produce, you know, some of the greatest beef in the world. I'd rather eat beef from Alberta than something grown in a liberal lab. Thanks very much. Well, if they grow in a lab in Alberta and they ship it east through a pipeline, would you be in favor of that? Uh, no. <laughs> Pi- pipeline beef, uh, that's one thing I'm he not... Wants, I'm he not he wants a cattle pipeline. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, a big tunnel. It would just be like a big sausage <laughs> and somebody at the other end, some Albertan with a paddle stick, like, you know, they get those Japanese people on the subway, they, they cram them right well, in. Well, Elon Musk is de- developing this tunnel. tunnel. Why can't we use it for cattle instead of cars? Well, that's an idea. You see, I mean, we're thinking outside the box here. It's one of those things. By the way, uh, on the matter of cars, I had to ask you guys this because it's one of the bigger stories from yesterday, and it uh, continues to resonate. has to do with the new drunk driving rules. I want to come back with that as uh, one of the final installments here while I've got your undivided attention, and whether advocates are right to say uh, that this is the right approach to take, as draconian as it might seem, civil libertarians are taking the opposite approach. Uh, We'll see what our friends Ernie Eves and John Turley-Ewart have to say on that matter and more in moments on The Oakley Show. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. 
Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio. 